Hello and welcome to show 11 of the Low Tox Life podcast. The good news is from today onwards we are weekly and if you're only just tuning in today for the first time, please head backwards after today because we have covered a stack of topics already so far. Everything from poop to ethical farming to how the brain needs sleep to function and how we can do that even in our busiest of of times. Uh, We've looked at pesticides, we've looked at all sorts of incredible topics. So thank you for joining us. Uh, And there are so many more topics to come. Now, today I'm having a chat to the wonderful Brodie Welch, who is a Chinese medical practitioner. And what I love about Brodie and why I asked her to come onto the show is she's not telling us that we can't live in a busy world, but she absolutely is passionate about helping us be well in the context of a busy modern life. And yes, it might mean tweaking our schedule around, but we talk about so many beautiful self-care ideas today that I know you are going to get as much out of the show today as I did. We also talk about the basic principles of Chinese medicine and pretty much 10 minutes into my chat, I knew already that I wanted to invite Brody back again for another show so much that I loved the way she explains things and how how much she has to offer and give uh, to our beautiful Low Tox Life audience. So I I know you're going to love the show. I'm going to stop talking about the show because I actually just want to head straight in and I know you do too. Enjoy and please feel free to head to the show notes afterwards for any added references that we mention in the show at lowtoxlife.com forward slash podcast. And here she is, Brody Welsh, Chinese medicine expert, licensed acupuncturist and my favorite favorite self-care strategist. How are you, Brody? I'm doing great, Alex. How are you? I'm so great. And I am so excited to have you here as my guest today because truth be told, uh, we haven't really talked about Chinese medicine either on the blog, definitely not on the podcast so far. So you're going to help us pop our Chinese medicine cherries. I'm, I'm excited. I am thrilled to introduce you to this modality and this system of medicine that I am so in love with. I love it. So how did you come to find that Chinese medicine was going to be your avenue for helping people in the world? Well, it really found me, actually, when I was casting around for what it was that I could possibly imagine myself doing professionally um, after a college trajectory that was aiming me towards activism or politics or law or something to change the world in an all at once kind of way. And I was feeling like that was going to set me up for a life that I wasn't really going to enjoy. I then pivoted and went to massage therapy school. And just because I had always been told, oh, you have a great touch, you should, you know, pursue this. And so I was like, oh, I will just indulge this intuitive side of myself to still do something that's helping people. And while in massage school, I was introduced to shiatsu, which is a form of Asian body work that's based in Chinese medicine. And when I was reading about yin and yang and how the how energy zips around the body on these pathways called meridians and that everything in the body mirrors the natural world, I, I just was hooked on the theory. It resonated really deeply with me. And I decided that I wanted to know more and get more 
tools in the toolbox. And so I went directly from massage therapy school to my master's in oriental medicine, which is the the four-year, 3,000-hour degree that encompasses not only acupuncture, but Chinese herbal medicine, qigong, um, and tai chi, as well as lifestyle and diet interventions that we can make for people to help them apply Chinese medicine to their lives. And so, and I just kind of never looked back. Back then, I, I hadn't really even a concept of what Chinese medicine was good for. I just knew that it was this ancient form of healing that could do some good in the world. And that's basically all I knew is that I wanted to help people. Beautiful. And, you know, it's so funny. You mentioned uh, you had explored activism, politics. I myself uh, was one of those kids who joined every possible activist organization that existed at the campus orientation week because I was ready to change the world. <laughs> and uh, and then I found most people were really angry in the activist space and I wasn't an angry person. I thought, okay, i got to change the world a different way, find my 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 why a different way, moved into European political science for my degree. And so we actually had a similar uh, journey there where... That's a really interesting. Yeah. yeah that that yeah. was exactly it too, that I think it was at a meeting of, of all things, the peace community where people were, were we got to fire, you know, we got to fight, we got to win, we got to get out there. It sounded like a bad football coach, you know, and I just felt like, what am I doing oh my setting myself God. up to be in opposition all the time and stirring up fear to get people to take action? And it's like, I, no, there's got to be a better way. Absolutely. I honestly experienced exactly the same thing. I have a smile ear to ear just <laughs> laughing at my incredulous kind of look around the room at one of these, active, yeah. uh, you know, peace meetings about making the planet uh, safer and a better place. And I thought, why are we all so angry? You know, so, yeah, very and, interesting. And- and I'm so glad that there are activists. I'm so grateful for them that they are out there doing their thing. And oh, me just, too. Just, yes. just was not my thing and yeah, and, and couldn't be. Yes, absolutely. And right. I have so many friends who are activists. And to be honest, yes. I get my energy in many ways, the fire in my belly, from talking with them and seeing how deep the problems are, how wide the issues lie in the natural world. And, and that kind of helps me then fire myself up to then translate it into a beautiful, peaceful way way of achieving grassroots action for everyday people. Um, so, you know, I think it's just really important that, you know, there is no bad way to make the world a better place, but there is your own personal way. And it, has, so to, true. it has to sink right with you in, in your belly, uh, yes. how you then take, you know, what can be scary information forward to, to help make the world a better place. I love that. Wow. Absolutely. Did and, not and know really... that about you. <laughs> It's a great thing to have in common. Yeah, it is. And, and like you, you know, that the, the notion that helping people take care of themselves is somehow selfish, which is so often when I encourage people that they need a half an hour to themselves or that kind of thing, it feels that way. But what happens, of course, is that there's a ripple effect that when someone is taking care of themselves, then they're able to show up for the people in their lives with such uh, more presence and love. And that 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 spills over into every aspect of, of everyone's vocation and personal life and, and that kind of thing and, and really does change the world. Um, and it's certainly a world of people who are recognizing the connections between what's going into their bodies and how they feel can only be the kind of thing that up levels our entire society with respect to getting toxins out of our lives and, and feeling better 
as a planet. Oh, that is so true because half of the problem is is we're going so fast that we've forgotten to be mindful about anything, that we've forgotten to cast our critical eye over many things and then you end up sick or you end up thinking that fresh air is some strange fake scented thing that you plug into your wall and, you know, like how did we get here kind of thing. So I think it's perfect that we're delving into uh, the Chinese medicine philosophies today because there are so many beautiful answers. Now, I know that you have one answer that happens to be on page one of one of your big textbooks when you delve into Chinese medicine and I just I, I need you to share that with us now because it's such gold. Absolutely. Well, that that really one of the oldest books that we still use clinically is called The Yellow Emperor's Classic of Internal Medicine. And it was written approximately 2,200 years ago. And it's written in kind of this dialogical form with the emperor chatting with his imperial physician and asking, saying, in ancient times, Remember, this is written 2,200 years ago. In ancient times, people used to live to be 100 years old. And these days, people aren't really making it past 50 and and their bodies are falling apart. What's the deal? What's going on there? And the answer is that people have forgotten to to live in harmony with nature. They've lost the way. I love it. People have forgotten the way of nature. We so have. We really, really have. And, you know, as you just said before, we find it uh, really horrible and weird to actually take time out for ourselves when there's all these other things we should be doing. But the way of nature is to listen to our bodies and say, actually, I'm not coping so well with all these things I should be doing today. So this is the perfect time for me to take half an hour out. Yeah, the the way of nature definitely in a in a Taoist sense has to do with the right action in the right moment, right? And that requires being present from moment to moment in order to know what that right action is. Wow, this is gold. The right, I'm just making notes and notes and notes. These will all be all my all the best takeaways will be in the show notes, guys. Don't worry. The right action in the right moment. I'm learning I'm learning with everyone here. I just you know, that's like such a sure. a heavy concept, but so true. And then in the heaviness you find lightness, right? Because you stay with that and you think that is so true. I'm gonna do the right Yeah. Very good. Sorry. Mo- yeah, moving on. Chinese medicine <laughs> is really it's informed by Taoism, Buddhism and Confucianism. And so but and but very much like the Taoist part is it's it has nothing to do with morality. It has everything to do with with the that everything that you ever need to know is inside of you and and incidentally the Taoists looking out at nature observing nature the fact that everything in nature is constantly changing and that that change has a particular pattern that and that human beings being a part of nature we must be in on this pattern and therefore all of the stuff going on out there must be going on within us as well and so being able to to meditate on nature or on any aspect of nature helps us to understand something about what's going on internally in ourselves and our own bodies. Mm. So when we look out at an ocean filled with plastic, that's a that's yeah. that's a nature that's the world hurting, right? And then that is some turbid yin going on inside. <laughs> Seriously, turbid. Yes, floating on the beautiful natural yin of water, which is one of the most 
yeah, one of the five elements and, and yin being that should be that which is cooling and rejuvenating and moistening and calming. And that when there's like, yeah, like that any sort of pollution is the body's going to hang on to and go, what do I do with this? Mm. And it's going to hang out in storage, which then has to be financed with our energy. Mm. And we've got better things to do with our energy than to be like the prison guard for for the nasty bad guys that we can't let out of our fat cells. This is exactly what I tell people in my course, right? So, you know, a lot of elderly people especially are questioning today's parents over the healthier choices they're trying to make for their kids because we're seeing our kids hurting more and more with weird things, with psychological issues, anxiety. You know, our our five-year-olds just shouldn't be anxious. You know, they just should not be. And so there are things that are wrong and today's parents are looking closely and saying, what can I do about this? And you know, the beauty of social media is connecting us all together to share experiences and things that are working. And yet the grandparents are seeing this change and often saying, oh, well, in my day, you know, we were fine. But these days there is so much pollution in our food, in our cosmetic products, personal care, in our environments, that our bodies, as you say, are spending way too much time just trying to feel what the heck is going on with all the fake stuff that we're yes. exposed to, that it's it's preventing us from being able to work on being you know, healthy, basically, as our default. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. We're we're awash in a sea of toxins and it takes a lot of energy it takes a lot of chi for to either get those toxins out of the body or to put them somewhere safe or relatively safe uh, you know what we would consider putting them into latency in chinese medicine mm. and that, it, that so that's a concept where like you can only keep things latent for so long before before you lose that ability because you're always having to finance it with your chi, with your blood, with your yin, with your yang, with something. Mm. And so it's that. So ideally, yes, like we can keep our livers in good shape, our kidneys in good shape. We can detoxify from emotions or from guilt or, you know, from things that we really don't need in our lives and being able to let go of that, that in Chinese medicine, we certainly didn't have endocrine disrupting chemicals at every meal or, you know, Mm, wrapping all of our food. But there certainly were toxins back when Chinese medicine was conceived of and, you know, things like mercury that made people do weird stuff and, you know, that Mm. go insane. And so, whereas we think of, and, and really in the body, this notion of turbidity is known as phlegm or dampness. So kind of like that, this idea that, anything that you haven't, that the body doesn't quite know what to do with, that it can't fully process or get rid of, that hangs out in various ways. And so that can show up in any system, really, in the body. Um, dampness tends to be heavy and sink towards the lower parts of the body. So things like um, ovarian cysts or, you know, fatty deposits or, you know, like any little, um, you know, or even acne as the body tries to shunt it to the surface. Or phlegm would be, you know, like not only the phlegm that we think of as like nasal congestion or coughing it up from the lungs, but phlegm misting the mind in terms of any sort of psychological illness or like epilepsy or, you know, mm. so, something that's caused like that really like there is something disrupting the 
the the flow of consciousness essentially so and so can i just bugs on the windshield yeah yeah okay so can i just interrupt you there because oh, of course I, I just have thought of a couple of really specific and very common issues around this phlegm and dampness that you've just mentioned and that is the kid who always has a stuffy nose so what yes. what would you do um with that this kid walks into your practice like how do you figure out what's causing that so that's a really that's a great example because it's the kind of thing where it could be different for everyone and there's definitely some usual suspects of systems that we could look at but in chinese medicine we assess based on looking at the tongue there's sort of a map of the body that shows up on the tongue we take the pulse at three different positions at three different depths and that gives us information about each different organ system going on in the body and which ones have maybe not enough energy and which ones might be harboring that excess that stuff that it can't get rid of and then we would ask the kid or the kid's parents um, about the functioning of not only the respiratory system and things like allergies and colds, but all of that would be related to the lungs in Chinese medicine. The lungs also have to do with, um, there's a relationship to the skin, there's a, a relationship to the throat, to the emotion of sadness and grief and letting go. The, the large intestine, of course, it has a lot to do with immunity. And so we look at, and and the, that which is the what's considered the mother of the lung and large intestine is the spleen and stomach, is the digestive system. So we look then at like, what's the kid's diet like? And what's how is how is this kid digesting his or her food? Is Are there stomach issues? Are Is there gas and bloating? Is there constipation? Are there loose stools? And very often, because it's all an ecosystem, what's out of balance in in one area of the body is going to show up not only in that system, but has the potential to affect all the others as well. And so usually the first place I would look in terms of a chronic stuffy nose is the digestive system and diet and are, is simply too much what we would consider dampening food going into the kid's body. And the most common dampening foods are going to be homogenized dairy products and refined sugar and refined flour, which of course kids tend to live mm -hmm. on. Yeah. Interesting. And then the other one, when you mentioned dampness, you yes. also mentioned cysts on the ovaries. Yeah. And yeah. I am I am notorious for asking personal questions in my podcast when something <laughs> comes up sure. that's related to me because you know, a lot of people out there are experiencing these things too. And both myself and my sister have polycystic ovarian syndrome. So what would you look for in in us if we went to you um, around this dampness issue? Well, the, similarly, so, so PCOS afflicts, I think, between 5 and 10% of women. Yeah, it's very high. Common. Mm. And typically, there's going to be not only depending on how it might show up differently for you than it does for your sister and the concerns might be different mm, right so for, so for some people they're they have high testosterone and they're therefore they have like facial hair or you know or acne or or even just like the way that it shows up in the skin some level of heat versus some more level of damp. So like more heat is going to be more redness. Dampness is going to be more like th things that happen in clusters. And uh, so we'd look at and whether someone is obese or whether someone is lean is also going to make a difference in terms of, of the kinds of recommendations. Because we don't treat PCOS, we treat women. Yes, exactly. You know? That's so, right. So looking at the, at the individual involved. And so for someone who is in good shape, who simply has this going on, it's like, okay, well, there's, we know that there's a hormonal piece 
and and basically anything on the hormonal level is going to relate to what in Chinese medicine we think of as the kidney system. Mm-hmm. The kidney the kidney yang is going to be the more um, androgens like so like testosterone and maybe not enough kidney yin like maybe not enough progesterone or maybe you know like maybe that there's something within the balance of hormones that needs to be tweaked a bit. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, so just so for for that particular condition, there are Chinese herbs that we could use to transform dampness to tonify the kidney yang if someone were were overweight we would also look at at making sure that the diet becomes less damp and also working on the spleen uh, the spleen stomach system the earth element because in all likelihood the spleen needs to be uh, strengthened in order for the metabolism to to regulate mm. and so so there's there's quite a lot that we could do thinking kind of like translating the Western diagnosis into like removing those labels is my first step. I think that's so wonderful. Yeah, I really like that. So like I remove the labels, but I also use them, you know, simply because it's helpful to just look through the lens of Chinese medicine, but also the allopathic information that's available can be useful, right? Mm. That I, I was just looking up um, PCOS the other day. Apparently spearmint tea can dramatically lower testosterone in just a matter of days. So things like that, 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 uh, that keep it away from like, your oh, men, yeah, ladies. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, so looking at, um, you know, a lot of times within and, and mint is certainly the kind of thing that moves liver chi. And a lot of times it's the liver that we need to clear excess excesses in um, fat soluble hormones from the body in general. So looking at, you know, and things like turmeric that are amazing for that. It's one of those things that in Chinese medicine, we've used turmeric for years for stagnation in the reproductive area, but it also happens to be, you know, any bitter herb is going to help transform phlegm and dampness. So anything, anything that has that bitter taste. So basically there's not a whole lot of that other than coffee and raw chocolate and bitter greens like kale and, and chard and spinach and things like that. So anyway, adding things like that to one's diet can help transform the phlegm, but it can also be sort of an element of stagnation. Energy is getting stuck in this area for so long that then physical changes have resulted. So in a pattern that's much more painful, we think about stagnation of blood versus stagnation of phlegm. And again, like the prescriptions would be different. Mm. I don't know if that's way too much. No, <laughs> I love a good stuff. nerd out. I love a good nerd right. out. And I think that, the, you know, people are quite uh, comfortable these days seeing a naturopath or a nutritionist. Uh, but I, I also think that it's really important for us to recognize that, you know, not to discount Chinese medicine because it doesn't get specific because that can be like a bit of a, a thought around it. For You know, everyone just thinks hippie, woo-woo, chakras, meridians and you know, and then they kind of discount it. But, you know, you're getting pretty technical and if you've got an issue that you haven't been able to fix yet, it's definitely one to throw in the mix. Oh, certainly. Mm. And it's the kind of thing where like looking through multiple lenses, it can get confusing, right? Too many cooks spoiling the broth. Yeah. And, and a lot of times just the, the sheer number of supplements and things like that that are going on. So it's the kind of thing where if I have a patient who's not getting better, I am never going to see mercury toxicity. I'm never going to see, you know, a particular, like knowing exactly, oh, you have Lyme disease versus this other particular um, pathogen that's going on. That naturopathic medicine is amazing for that. And mm. it's, it can be a really excellent complement. But a lot of times people go down that road 
to a point and then they stop getting better, right? Or they run into a wall or they're simply, they're not even necessarily able to undergo those treatments because they're exhausted or because their adrenals crap out or because, you know, like all these other things that, that can go on. And, and Chinese medicine, it can be a really beautiful way of looking at not only the the specific thing that's going on, but to to bring the holism back into it and to bring to pay attention to to how things are potentially not limited to that one particular diagnosis, but linked up to other things that might be going on within that given individual's body that may not be otherwise connected simply because we have such a unique way of looking at the body in Chinese medicine. Mm. And it's been around for a while. So I dare say there's, there's a lot of yeah. truth to it, right? Yeah. At least 3000 years. Yeah. And, uh, and so oral tradition and then, and then our written texts. So definitely has stood the test of time and is not stagnant. Like throughout those years, they, that there's different traditions within Chinese medicine. So a lot of times, for example, the way that the medicine is practiced in Japan or in Vietnam or in, you know, in these various other places that Chinese medicine spread to, even within Chinese medicine, different practitioners with different sets of training could look at the same issue very differently. Mm, absolutely. Well, just as with any modality of healing, really. Yeah. Now, yeah. you've mentioned qi a couple of times, and we haven't really yeah. gone in depth on what that actually is for the uninitiated. Can you elaborate a little bit there? No problem, Alex. Qi is just all that is. Okay. <laughs> Done. <laughs> now moving on. Yeah, no, she uh, is literally all it is. So so if we think about it, I, I, this is the first paradigm shift that I like people to make when they start to work with me is that we think of ourselves as like a bag of meat, right? We think of ourselves as a skin that's encasing some muscles and flesh and bones and there's organs and they're, they're, that we're basically these physical beings that have some processes happening and it's all very Newtonian. And I encourage people to flip into the quantum or Einsteinian worldview where you're basically a field of energy with tiny little bits of matter. Mm. So that, that, you know, essentially looking at yourself instead of bag of meat, sea of chi, sea of energy. And a lot more becomes possible when we start thinking of ourselves as, as a field of energy, which we, we truly are. But within that field of energy, there's the yin and there's the yang. So the yang energy, so basically those two major subdivisions of qi, because we can't talk about all that is without making it into categories or subdivisions. So the yin is going to be the physical stuff of who we are as well as that which moistens and nourishes. And the yang is going to be all the processes at work inside our bodies. And so, and then, so really we can be thinking of chi as literally everything that exists. We can be thinking it, we usually think about it in like for the sake of Chinese medicine differentiation, the differentiation between chi and blood, blood being the more substantial and nourishing and chi being the more energetic or uh, invisible aspect. And then there's chi that is specific to each organ system, right? So there's lung chi and there's liver chi and there's spleen chi and, and we can subdivide it in all of those ways. And there's also forms. There's also two other important essential substances in Chinese medicine. And that is the notion of Jing and mm -hmm. Shen. Okay. And Jing is like our life force, or, or sorry, not, not our life force, our life essence. Qi is more like our life force. And Shen is like our consciousness, the lens that we look through. Okay. 
So what is the difference between life force and life essence? Well, one is given to us by our parents and is our genetic endowment. And it's what we come into this life with is that certain amount of jing. It gives us our temperament, our our genetics, the things that we've inherited in our in our family history, and our constitution, like whether whether we tend to from the get-go have a particularly strong or weak organ system. So some people just never get sick and other people have an iron stomach and it just kind of like the way that your constitution, how much particular chi is dedicated to each organ system is like the cards that you're dealt at birth. And it's also so it, it's also like the deepest aspect of who you are. So when we talk about like mining your intuition or like what is really yours to do in the world or like that sort of those questions of meaning that are particular to you are said to live in your jing. So the jing is like the basically the is is your curriculum of what you're supposed to do in this life. And if you if you are inclined towards thinking about things spiritually, it's the raw materials by which we get to have a life and whatever adventures we choose to have this time around. And it's this it's also can be thought of as the sand in your hourglass. And so our jing is something that we can preserve by not depleting our chi, right? By living within mm-hmm. our energy budget on a daily basis, we can let the the jing be like the principal in our bank account that we never really touch. We just live off the interest if indeed we are digesting our food, eating high quality food and digesting our life experience in a way that gives back to us. And that's the Shen component, the Shen being the consciousness, the lens that we look through. It's also translated as the heart mind. And so really like you've got to like your life. Um, otherwise you're going to get sick, you know, like that. And, and oh, that is such a good Good, good nugget. You've got to like your life, otherwise you're going to get sick. And and then this is totally not me making anyone responsible for their sickness or their illness. Like, please don't hear that. But it's definitely like the, the three treasures. I think we can all agree that if even if we were just like surviving in a symptom-free way, but we weren't particularly happy, that there's more to life than that. Mm. And, that and that we're not necessarily making of life all that is possible. And in fact, that, that zest for life, your enthusiasm, your joy lives in the heart. It's a form of heart chi. It's just a, a kind of an invisible, rarefied form of heart chi. Yeah. And I remember reading an interesting textbook that links ailments and manifestations in different parts of the body to spiritual, emotional issues and blockages. So let's just yeah, say... Chinese medicine has the original... Yeah. <laughs> so one of my favorites of was if you're in a job where you feel like, or you're doing work where you feel like you're your either creativity or your voice is stifled, you'll get strep throat a lot. And and I definitely think that there is a little bit of a link there. I had chronic strep throat all through my teen and early 20s. And we're talking, you know, four or five times a year. And, uh, and I always felt different or unable to be the exact person that I was. Now, I didn't know who that was. And I didn't know how to express myself. And I was always a very enthusiastic person, always climbing to the top of the next career mountain or the next school award, or, you know, I was one of those people. But what I realized in my late 20s was that I had continually kept climbing the wrong mountains and they weren't giving me a sense of fulfillment. And it happened to coincide with seeing a naturopath 
who helped me uh, regulate my immune system better and see the way of the world through the real food lens as opposed to eating lots of modern convenience foods. And I have had one very mild case of tonsillitis since after having literally had it for two decades nonstop. So I just think it's really interesting how, you know, that might sound hippie woo-woo, but it has always been in the back of my mind. And just hearing you talk about uh, the chi, the jin and the shen just then, it really kind of hammered home that there is possibility to looking much bigger picture at our overall lives to, yeah. Indeed. And every every single acupoint there are originally 365 acupoints on the body like one for each day of the year and that the descriptions in the classics about what each point does in the body is meant to be interpreted not only literally and physically but also psycho-emotionally because it was not thought that you could accurately describe kind of what's going on in, in the psyche or emotions and so so a point that might be good for heart pain is not just for angina it's for heart pain it's for it's for sadness it's for uh, it's emotional uh, that kind of thing and and so really looking at the the symptoms of heat in the throat for example strep throat would be a a, a fire toxin mm. right it, anything that is an infection is essentially uh, that's what's out of balance in your ecosystem and so looking at what is creating like Yes, for you, it might indeed have had to do with speaking your truth. For someone else, it might have to do with the other dimensions of of what we would consider in the lung system, um, grief, loss, letting go. Um, yeah, that again, that lack of expression, lack of forgiveness. It could be, you know, like there's. It's definitely not like a one to one decoder yeah, yeah. kind of a this thing. Equals but, this. but there's yeah, no. definitely yeah. tendencies, and we link up each of the organ systems with a particular emotion and with a particular dimension of of the of the psyche, right? So we we pair the liver. Not only is about detoxification of chemicals from our bodies, but it's about making choices that for you, like getting out of the, the, the toxic relationships with work so that you are, you're able to speak your truth and you are able to create a life that was much more fulfilling wow. to you and to, to support your immune system through your diet. And so all it's that. metaphorically more about all toxins and whatever form they take in your life. Sure, right. People who are who are overly accommodating in general may be overly accommodating to toxins, and that that would be more of a, a, a spleen or an earth element presentation. So it's yeah, I mean, we we definitely look at all of so it. So by starting to say no in a healthy way, yeah. we can literally change our physiological response. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And not only because we're far more likely to get sick with things like colds and flus when we're under stress, but if we're saying no and we don't mean no, we're we're already creating stress mm. and we're already undermining our own body's wisdom. And so it's like we're second guessing our own judgment and the immune system is nothing but judgment. Yeah. Right. You, you're you're an enemy. You stay out. Or, yeah, exactly. Or you're you're OK. It's I a courtroom can, I can in tolerate there. You. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. So we need that sound judgment and we need to be able to trust our own judgment and being able to to line up with with those internal to, to hear those internal no's and yeses and act in accordance with that, I think is huge for health. Massive. And so to be able to hear those internal yeses and no's and to really be able to trust them, that's where it comes back to us respecting our life force if you like to slow yes. down so that we can actually yes. listen because half the time we're going so fast I don't know what to do you know it's that overwhelm kind of state 
this is the kind of thing that I term yang addiction mm. and that I help people with all the time, that addiction to that the ego has to productivity, to doing more, to doing it faster, and to that that sense of of self-worth being tied to that driving and striving or o- overworking or over-serving. I see a lot of women, especially, who, who fall into one of those two camps. I don't know what you're talking about. I know. Yeah. Isn't that like I'm speaking a foreign <laughs> language, right? But it's... Uh, Says every woman just, kind of cowering away from the podcast speakers right now I going, know. uh-oh, they're going to talk about something that's all about me. But that's the thing is that it's really not culturally supported. No, it's not. To, Everything. To honor your yin, Everything. right? To slow down, to pay attention to your body, to to take a risk of being seen as selfish for making such a choice. And it's absolutely essential. And it's the kind of thing that if, even if you can't do it for you, do it for your daughter, your sister, your son, your, you know, like your, the, the, the people who will interact with you in your life, because when you are able to slow down, do less and tune in, you're more able to act from presence. That's so beautiful. And you're so right. It, we are completely young addicted and we have based our whole Western culture on Yang results and Yang sure. productivity. And that's that's a really – it's interesting though because, you know, what do you do if you're the guy or the girl who then starts to say to their law firm bosses, um, actually, I need half an hour out right now or actually, I'm going to go home at 8 p.m., not 9.30 p.m. You know, how do we incorporate – you know, it's it's a – it's a big problem and it's a huge thing we've got to shift. Yes. And people are shifting the cultures in which they work by, I mean, we've already seen that, I think, with um, sort of in the past 20 years and it's becoming much more the norm to work from home and to give people that kind of flexibility and that the notion of work-life balance is like, maybe it's not perfect yet, but it's definitely a conversation that even major corporations or high-powered, high-pressured environments that they can acknowledge, oh yeah, when you take a break, you come back 30% more productive after a massage, for example, or you come back and, and, you know, you have CEOs who all have, who all have meditation trainers. Oh, absolutely. It's like, there's people who really know productivity, know that it's, it's a trap to think that you're going to be more productive when you've been awake for 24 (laughs) hours than if you were to just go and sleep, let the yin nourish you. Oh, absolutely. And then come back fresh. Yeah. I have a fantastic shot. I think it was the third show we did with the beautiful um, Dr. Fiona Kerr talking about what a lack of sleep does to our brains. And it wasn't good. You know, you got to go back and listen to that if this is an issue. It's not pretty. It's really yes. not pretty. <laughs> and it's so funny. You mentioned CEOs and having meditation trainers. You know, and quite often you see in, on your Facebook feed, you know, 10 things that the most successful people do before 9am. And, you know, I, I always have a little read. I'd quite like to know what makes Richard Branson so successful. And lo and behold, all they're doing until 9am is gifting to themselves in various ways. Yes. They are exercising. They are meditating. They're eating a beautiful meal, often with their families. They are taking the time to read and learn and nourish their minds. And they have not done a single thing for anyone else yet. You know, all they've done is focus on themselves until 9am. And I think that is such a great lesson. If these are the most successful people in the world, it completely trumps the yeah. idea that we, to be more successful is to give more, do more, spend more time on other people, other work, other projects, and not on yourself. It's a farce. We've got to stop. 
sister. Mm. Preach yeah, it. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> that was one of my, <laughs> my, my preaching <laughs> tangents you've been witness to. I love it. I love it. And, and it's so, it's so totally Chinese medicine too, because we, we think about the, the ecosystem, the inner, in the cycle of your day, ideally we move from water to wood to fire, to earth, to metal, and back to water again. So you, you can think about that cycle as happening over the course of an entire lifetime or over the course of, like, it's, it's all happening right now within us. But if we think about, like, the water element is about the potential of, like, who, what's really important? Who are we at our core? What is, you know, what do we want our day to look like? And th when that bubbles up, we're kind of like, here's, here's the thing that I'm supposed to do. When we get the vision, it's like winter turning to spring. And like, so, so there's some we come to life, some of that yin moves into yang and we begin to formulate our plan and we begin to do it and, and, and make it happen. And that's the bridge between potential and actual. The, the actual phase is the fire phase where you're doing whatever it is you're doing. And then we move into the earth phase of like the fire becomes ashes, which becomes earth again. And that's kind of the integration phase. And then the metal phase is the sorting out kind of that, what do I want to keep doing and what can I let go of? That's sort of the season of autumn. And then we're kind of back to winter again. And so anyway, I'm mixing some metaphors there, but wood, fire, earth, metal, and water, the cycle of, of all things that are alive, birth, growth, maturity, decline, and death. And so starting our day from that place of introspection, from water, from moving from inward to outward, allows for us to be connected to ourselves. At least we start the day that way. And of course, moment to moment, we need to continue to check in in order to have that continual dialogue between heart and kidney, between water and fire. Um, but that is ideally how we know kind of that right action and the right moment is when we bring our consciousness into kind of back and we check in. Mm. Uh, so there's a lot of people who obviously have young children in my audience who listen to the podcast and it's not always easy to check in with yourself before your day is already from the very moment your eyes open about someone yes. else. And I'm just thinking about my son this morning, you know, coming in with a <laughs> and he had knocked his knee on something and poor little guy needed a cuddle. But my day was instantly on him you know there wasn't time to do my qigong stretches and rub my face yes. and ears um which is one of my favorite qigong moves i didn't get to do any of that this morning now how do we is it okay i guess for us to steal a moment later in the day to come back to absolutely. us absolutely it's, it's not yes. that if you've yes. missed it on first waking then that day's screwed you're cancelled not okay. at all not at all any time that you can check in with yourself is a good time to check in with yourself and a lot of times we don't have the choice there but yeah ideally it, there's just something really beautiful and special about being able to start your day in touch with yourself mm. and that and that there is there's a particular resonance that especially those pre-dawn hours um have with with that particular activity. But no, absolutely. Anytime that your your kid needed your attention, that was exactly the right thing in the right moment. No checking in required. You just knew. Mm, yeah, exactly. Oh, I like that. Okay. I feel better about that now. Okay. <laughs> well, a lot of parents then feel guilty that, the, you know, or you, you see someone's Instagram feed. Oh, it's easy for you doing yoga on the hill at 6 p.m. at 6 a.m. Here right. I am with right. three children. Two of them have a cold and, you know, regular parent stuff. Um, and I think it's just about, as you say, being kind to yourself, checking in with yourself later that day, accepting that that's exactly where you need to be for that moment because your children need you, you know, in itself is a freeing and de-guilting 
of the whole, you know, grass is greener, judging me, judging you, judging me again kind of right. stuff exactly. that, you know, people it just we just do not need to waste our time on. Well, the other thing too is I, I definitely work with a lot of women who, and I say, of course, men are, can also certainly be primary caregivers of children, but in my practice, it's mainly women in general who feel selfish taking time for themselves. And it's the kind of thing where I'm constantly reminding them that you are the role model and you want your kids to be able to to honor their yin as well. And so being able to to verbalize that, you know, yes, I would love to be giving you attention right now. And I need 15 minutes to do X, Y, and Z so that I can show up for you with my whole heart and be really here. Mm. And that, that that's the kind of thing that it's, um, it's actually doing them a huge service to, to teach them that this is, just, you know, just like brushing your teeth, that, that time alone, time to check in with yourself, meditation, these, these things are, are daily hygiene. Mm, that's so true. And, you know, often you see just in a basic example of a child disrupting a conversation that two adults are having and whoever the parent is actually lets them disrupt the conversation and then changes their attention to them. And maybe it's my French culture, but, you know, because we're a little bit more strict, I guess, than American and Australian parents by nature. It's just, you know, it's like a real instilling of this is the way it is kind of thing that I've come from and that I've witnessed in my own family and the women in my family. And I I just don't let my son interrupt me. I'm like, middle of a sentence, and then I just keep talking to the person I'm talking to so that he learns and learns respect for a situation. And what you're saying is, is we need to teach them respect for the situation, which is being one with ourselves and yeah. yeah and with that I mean for me I I, I became a an insta parent I married a widower and immediately had a 12 year old and an eight-year-old after never having kids wow so that's, that's just that jumping was... right into the deep end there yeah <laughs> yeah and it, so and it's the kind of thing where that in order to to cope for me with that new situation it's like meditation was just non-negotiable that doing a morning practice just for the the sake of the equanimity for me, I need exercise and I need meditation and I need to be taking care of myself in this way, or I don't have a chance at <laughs> at spending my day in clinic and nurturing people all day and coming home with anything left. And so being able to kind of like, without guilt, navigate in a way that, that actually helps them understand that what I'm doing is kindness, even if it doesn't feel like immediate gratification. Mm. And what a brilliant thing to teach kids that immediate gratification is not the be-all, end-all because our world right. is very much <laughs> driven to say that that is the case and that, you know, you can yes. do anything when you want, where you want it, any time of day. And it just, yeah, I, I think that's that's a race to the bottom of that convenience-driven lifestyle that has us, again, coming back to what we said at the start, forgetting to think critically, cast our eyes over things, think mindfully about things and and take time out so that we can hear those inner voices of is this the right thing or the wrong thing? What What's the best choice to make here? I love that. So, Brody, can you talk to me a little bit about, uh, this is top of mind for me at the moment because I'm just yeah. about to launch into my next and the last one for the year, Go Low Tox, which is an e-course helping everybody ditch toxins. And I'm thinking about this 2,000-year-old 
text that certainly existed long before these crazy hormone disruptive chemicals that were all around us today and, you know, skin irritants like sodium laureth sulfate and, you know, none of this stuff existed 2,000 years ago. But are the principles of Chinese medicine able to aid us in the modern needs for detoxification that we now have with all this crazy new stuff in our world? Yeah. Definitely. Mm. I, mean, they, I think that first and foremost, not everything, just in terms of if, if we get away from the word toxin and we just think about things that we can't digest or eliminate or, or clear or yeah, get out of our systems, then what might be harmful for someone might be less harmful for someone else. Mm. For example, food, some people do great with dairy for other people. That's kind of this, that's planting a seed for stagnation and where there's stagnation, kind of like a stagnant pond, that's not really going to give life in the same way that the free flowing mm -hmm. river is going to. So just in terms of recognizing what you can and can't digest on a physical level, because really to get something out of the body, we can pee it out, poop it out, cough it out, sweat it out, you know, or, or process it emotionally and mentally and, and kind of like different mm -hmm. things will take different pathways. But in general, so we talked a little bit about dampness and, and avoiding things that we, that we can't digest, but in general, anything that has the bitter taste is going to help bust up phlegm and dampness, sort of like accumulations in the body. So those things are going to be helpful. Anything that is green, you know, any, any chlorophyll is going to be every organ system resonates with a color and green resonates with the liver. So as we move into, yeah. you now you're moving into the season of spring. And so eating the color green, anything with chlorophyll is going to help aid the liver and help with detoxification. And so that's going to be the bitter leafy green stuff, but also things like chlorella, which is, we know from naturopathic world, a chelation agent. And so, so things like that, absolutely. It's also anything that we can do for our liver. The liver resonates with the taste of sour. And so in the spring, uh, it's like the taste of unripe fruit. And so a little bit of sour helps stimulate the release of bile. And so a little bit of lemon water in the morning or a little, you know, a few olives or, uh, you know, like some uh, pickled things, um, fermented foods, these kinds of things that can help prevent sluggishness and digestion and can help, especially for the fat soluble toxins in order to get those out of the body, we need the liver to be on board. We need to be stimulating re the release of bile and we need enough good fat and fiber to get it all the way out. So like cooked leafy greens, you know, with olive oil, with butter, with, you know, things that are obviously organic and, and not exposed to chemicals while they were alive, mm. but also the tender young shoots and greens like microgreens, wheatgrass, barley grass, sprouted things that things that are young that the direction of spring is upward and outward and that's that resonates with the liver and so it's a really good time to be eating the the young shoots asparagus celery that kind of thing that is it's going to help with the liver and, and also making sure that you're getting enough of the good fat so that fat soluble toxins make it out of your body wow cool and obviously we've got quite a few people who are from your neck of the woods mm -hmm. well maybe not specifically oregon but you know America yes. and a few Canadians who listen to the show and some Europeans so you guys are moving into fall we are and 
you know, is this a natural season for detoxification as well? Is it something we should just be doing all the time or is this more of a nourishment season? Like, could you talk to us a bit about the difference between fall and spring that way? Sure. Yeah. I think actually both times are are really excellent for detoxification. If people do want to do kind of a seasonal cleanse, I definitely recommend it. It's, it's great to give yourself a break from alcohol, refined sugar, anything artificial, pesticides, herbicides, but all that stuff, hormones and and meat and dairy, whatever else is that you're regularly taking in and simply get back to basics. In right now, basically it's the time for those of us who are going into fall that simplifying the diet because it can be kind of wonky to go from 90 degrees to 50 degrees within the span of a (laughs) few days. So I recommend that people get really simple about diet. So like cooked vegetables and, you know, if you can digest it, you know, rice and like soups and stews and things like that as as we get into fall, that generally warm cooked food is the easiest to digest. Mm -hmm. And so like, yes, it's still fine to be doing some raw salads that are more cooling. But as we move into fall, it's the season that that corresponds with a bit of dryness. And so we want to we want to moisten and we as, as we get into the season of yin. So things that have a, a high degree of water and like really all of nature is is moving its nutrients underground and moving actually to the ground. So if we think about late summer that things like melons and cucumbers and tomatoes that are, you know, kind of like growing close to the ground or on the ground, that that these things are sort of clear out the last bit of heat from the summer. Mm-hmm. And then the things that grow under the ground, like a sweet potato or like a, or a squash or like these, these sort of like big yin vegetables that the root crops and those kinds of things are exactly what we should be eating in the fall because those are yin nourishing and we should be cooking them in in soups and stews and watery that kind of thing so that we have enough of that yin moisture as we move into a season that can be kind of drying i think that's beautiful and that brings us literally right back to where we started doesn't it with you know We've forgotten the way of nature and to find health and vitality again, to find our own health and vitality, because as you say, the answer is always inside us, is to literally live within the respect of the seasons and to see what's happening out there and mirror it in our own bodies. It just makes so much sense. And if it's local, Mm. if it grows near you and it's in season right now, it's probably good for you because that's what nature makes available right now. That's exactly right. And so... And and actually, interestingly, like the so the, the spring and the fall are kind of like they're the transition seasons. If you can imagine that summer and winter are that summer is yang, winter is yin, and then autumn and spring, like spring is going to be yang, the upward outward, and autumn is going to be the downward inward. And so it, it's the kind of that recognizing that life is going to be speeding up for people entering spring, and life should be slowing down a little bit for those of us entering fall. So you know, it's a little bit of that extroverted and introverted um, side of things. And so recognizing kind of what's going on in the environment, that's also potentially what what's going on in our lives as well. Mm. And being able to, and, and the, the taste that goes along and with, with um, kind of getting moving, it can actually be medicine for both fall and spring. And that's pungent or spicy. So pungent, it gets 
you know, if you're coming off of a sluggish winter of eating heavier food because you need the fat to get because you would have died if you didn't have enough calories to make it through the winter. So heavier foods, more meats, things like that, that you might have been eating in the winter, moving that with the, the taste of pungent. And so that's going to be there can be warm pungents or cool pungents and sort of like which ones are better for you depend on your particular constitution. But uh, the cooling pungents are going to be things like peppermint or um, oregano or cilantro. And the warm pungents are things like garlics and onions, cumin, ginger, thyme, rosemary, that kind of stuff. And so it, but really the pungent taste is, is excellent to balance as things kind of like do slow down in the fall and go more, more yin, the taste of pungent um, is useful to help balance that so that it doesn't just stagnate. Mm, so good. Oh my gosh. I, I have made so many notes. I'm really excited by this chat and I want to come right for finishing up. I want to come right back to the fact that you are a self-care strategist for your clients <laughs> and patients and ask you what your single favorite piece of advice is to give people to live their most vital lives. Mm. What would it be? I think it has to be do less. <laughs> I mean, I, I really feel like I people need permission mm. to take care of themselves. And I feel like what I find, I write down on a self-care prescription pad that whatever someone's self-care assignment is after their treatment. And so often the very first thing that I start with is time alone. And it, but really it, it, it depends on who I'm talking to, of course, but I think it really does come down to, um, to just know that you're enough without doing anything. Mm. Trust that. I love that. Do less. Do less. <laughs> Say it again. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show, Brody. A wealth of information. I think once this all sinks in for us out there in the in the on the interwebs, I'm gonna make a few notes and I would love to have you back on the show later in the year so we can maybe delve into those organ systems. I think that'd be really, really great. Sure. I'd be delighted to share. If people are interested in learning more, actually I in your hemisphere, um, people might be interested on my blog. I have a 15 minute audio mini class on 22 ways to love your liver and sync with the season of spring. Oh, I and love so, it. That's perfect uh, for us. I'll pop it yeah. in the show notes as a link. Yeah, I'll, mm. I'll send that link to you. And then if people are really interested in Chinese medicine, I do teach um, the basics of Chinese medicine. I have a new round of that course starting in October. And that's basically, it's hard to learn acupuncture or it's hard to learn Chinese medicine unless you're in acupuncture school um, because books can get really dense and jargony really quickly. So if any of this just felt um, felt right, I would love to, uh, to have you in the course. Awesome. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And I will definitely be speaking to you later on in the year. Have a great day. Thanks so much, Alex. It's been really fun. Thank you so much for joining me for today's show. Check out the show notes at lowtoxlife.com forward slash podcast. And if you wanted to maybe share a quote and something that really jumped out for you, you can find us on Instagram at lowtoxlife or simply hashtag lowtoxlife across social media. I absolutely love bringing you the show. Thank you for any of the star ratings or one-line reviews that you guys have left. It helps me know what you've been loving and what you'd love to see more of. I'll see you next week. Jack Rabbit.
your ease. Who is that? Hi, podcast.